John chapter 4, verse number 43. I'm going to jump in and read. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to preach till this morning. And sometimes God makes it easy on you. This was in my daily Bible reading this morning. And it was like God just unfolded a message that um, will plug into where we are as a church right now. John 4:43. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If you feel comfortable, you're welcome to stand. You're welcome to be seated. We make you stand a lot. And if you're tired, you can sit down. Um, but there's some who may prefer to stand. John 4:43 says, After two days, he departed, speaking of Jesus, to, uh, for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. I'll, I'll pause here and say that I'm glad that I'm in Monroe. This is my dad's hometown, my uh, family's hometown, but my hometown is San Antonio, Texas, and the Lord could not see a way in which it would be fit for me to do ministry there. And so here I am. Uh, but Jesus said uh, that a prophet has no honor in his hometown, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, listen to this, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, now listen to this, this is one of those conversations with Jesus that doesn't go the way you think it would. He comes to Jesus and says, I need healing for my son. So Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Heal my son, Jesus. And Jesus responds and says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go and your son will live man believed the word. Somebody say he believed the word. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all of his household. Tonight I want to talk to you from the next few minutes on this topic. His word. Somebody say his word. His word is enough. His word is enough. We don't need signs. We don't need wonders. We don't need lightning strikes. We don't need the rumbling and the roaring of the sea. We don't need all that. His word. Somebody say it. Until it gets in your spirit, His Word is enough. God, I pray right now that you would anoint the preaching tonight. God, that somebody would leave here understanding, God, that you've spoken some things. God, that you've declared some things. And that your Word is enough for our healing. Your Word is enough for our hope. Your Word is enough for our marriage, God. That your Word is enough for our redemption and our recovery. God, your Word is enough, God. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is nothing more frustrating and faith-killing than someone who doesn't keep their word. Can I get an amen? We call them liars. We call them all sorts of things. 
um, usually behind their back. But whether they are well-intentioned in their declared intentions or they are deceitful, the impact of someone who doesn't follow through on their word is the same. They wind up leaving us with little trust left in the tank. Proverbs 25:19 says this, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Some people are just unreliable. Can I get an amen? They're just unreliable. If they say something, you can take it to the bank that they won't do it. <laughs> They're that reliably unreliable. If you've ever hired people, you might know that this is truth. If you've ever worked as a boss, you might know that there are some people you just can't count on. They don't come through when you need them the most. The wise man wrote that trusting in them is like having a broken tooth. When you are finally served that amazing Pittsburgh-style steak that you've been dreaming of. It's laid out in front of you, but the tooth that you need to eat it with is not coming through for you. I felt that more than y'all did. I don't know why. He said it's like stepping on a foot that's out of joint. It was created to help you stand, but it is found to be the source of pain and frustration because it is unreliable when you need it. The most. One of the most frustrating experiences of my adult life happened because someone I thought was a friend didn't come through for me when I needed them the most. I'm going to tell you this story, and I didn't tell my wife I was going to tell it because it will make her mad all over again. But, honey, this is your birthday present. I'm going to tell you right now that you were right about this situation. We were living in Arizona, and because we hadn't been able to sell our house in Texas, we were landlords by default. And we had owned this house for several years, living several states away. And we found out that several years of renters had left our home a wreck. We had sent real estate agents by. We had sent uh, uh, friends and people to go check on the property. And they just hadn't communicated to us the awful condition that it was in. And now the market had rebounded and we wanted to sell the house. And so it needed to be painted and repaired to the tune of thousands of dollars. It so happened that someone very close to us, whom I won't name, um, so that we don't uh, uh, ruin their reputation, um, that they recommended a guy that I had grown up in church with to do the painting. They were a close friend, and he promised that he would do the job. In fact, he was going to cut us a great deal, nearly half as much as any painter or carpenter would charge us for the work. And so we were excited and, until weeks went by and the work wasn't done, and Finally, he went and started the job. We had already given him some money for supplies that he said he needed up front. And, and he worked for a day or two. And then he called me up and he started putting the pressure on me for more money. He needed to be paid up front. And I refused, but he kept pressing. And I refused and he kept pressing. And my phone was ringing off the hook. We were on our way to family vacation in California. And every few miles, my phone was ringing and my wife was getting mad. Don't you pay him. Don't you send him that money. And I, I finally gave in to him because I felt guilty and I felt bad because he was putting such pressure on me. And I, I just couldn't imagine him ripping me off. So I went ahead and sent him the money ahead of time for the work that needed to be done. Some of you are already shaking your head. I was young and dumb and you learn the hard way when you don't listen to your wife. Woo, somebody hear me tonight. <laughs> Happy birthday, babe. You're right. 
She told me not to pay him off, but I couldn't imagine him ripping me off. We had close ties. And so, as you can guess now, that was the last time that I heard from him. I sent him the money and I never heard from him again. My house went unpainted. I called the same guy who was ringing my phone off the hook. Suddenly lost his phone. Suddenly he couldn't answer. Suddenly there was this project and that project and I sent text. I called his wife. I found every number, every means of communication that I could find. And he disappeared into the wind. He was working in ministry at a church. He disappeared from that church. I hope that few thousand dollars was good enough for him to ruin his reputation and stand guilty before God. But he was unreliable. And it was a sickening feeling how dishonest and unreliable he was supposed to help us out of a tough situation. And only ended up making it ten times worse. And I learned the hard way that his word wasn't enough. That I trusted in his word and that he didn't come through. That I put my hope and faith in him and I was sorely disappointed. And the truth is tonight that we have all been burned bamboozled and disappointed by something or another. We have trusted in things and in people that have let us down. We've felt the flattened faith of those times when someone or something did not come through for us like we thought it would. Maybe for you it was medicine. Maybe for you it was a doctor. Maybe for you it was a career. Maybe it was a job change. Or a relationship. Or perhaps even a marriage. But it just didn't come through. It was unreliable when you needed it the most. Life teaches us that we need more than just their word. We need to learn to lean on a show of good faith. Which is ironic because it means that there really is no faith when you need a sign of good faith. A down payment. A deposit. We do that because we don't trust folks. If you're a landlord, you take a deposit. Why? Because they might run out on you and leave you hanging with no renter. And so we, we learn to lean on these things. We need a contract. We need a receipt. We need a down payment. When trust is lacking, we protect ourselves with such measures. We feel like we have a fuller assurance if they will give a sign of good faith. And nothing could be more descriptive of the religious atmosphere among the Jews of Jesus' time. They had been looking for a Messiah for literally generations. A long list of disappointments and rejects lie scattered throughout their history. And as a people, they had been disappointed before. And so they expected to be disappointed again. Scripture details the constant pressure and nagging that they put Jesus under to produce a sign so that they could believe. Mark 8, 11, the Pharisees came forth and began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven and tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek after a sign? For verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. Again, in Luke 11, and others tempting him, sought of him a sign. Somebody say a sign. They wanted a sign from heaven. It wasn't enough that he was healing the sick and raising the dead and the lame were leaping and the blind were seeing. They wanted a sign in the heavens. They wanted the stars to align. They wanted some other means of verifying that he is who he says he is. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall be no sign given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. Over and over again, hear me. 
They were insistent on some sign, some miracle to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. And the issue at hand was that Jesus was healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's doing miracle signs and wonders. And they are still looking for a sign. In our text in John 4, Jesus makes his return to Cana of Galilee. And it's where his ministry had begun. It was there in his home country of Galilee that he had turned water to wine at the urging of his mother. Jesus' ministry was coming full circle. He's coming back home, back to where he had begun. It was here that he was more well known as Joseph the carpenter's son than as Christ the son of the living God. And these people had watched him grow up. They were there in the silent years of scripture before Jesus had entered the spotlight of history. They had watched him grow from a boy to a young man. They had seen Jesus do a miracle before. And John 4 picks up as Jesus returns home. He's just come from Samaria where an entire village believed on him because of his words to the woman at the well of Samaria. And the Bible says they they came out and they believed him when they heard for themselves. That they began to believe because, not because of her testimony, but because of the words of Jesus. They heard him teaching and they were compelled to believe that he is who he claimed to be. And they begged him to stay there for two more days. And then the Bible says after two days he departs from Galilee. And he comes to Galilee and the Galileans welcomed him. Having seen all the things that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. They Two were at Passover. They had seen the miracles that he had done in the streets of Jerusalem. They had, they even welcomed him gladly because of what they had seen take place there. And so he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And the Bible tells about this man who comes and finds him. He hears that Jesus has come back and so he seeks Jesus out. And he says, Jesus, I have a son that's at the point of death and I need you to come and heal him. He's at the point of death, and I I don't have any other answers. I need you to come and heal him. And and he he goes to him and asks him to come down, for he's at the point of death. And this is one of those times in Scripture where Jesus' response seems kind of shocking. Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Can Can you just imagine with me for a minute how awkward that conversation was? This man has a dying child laying in the care of doctors and physicians. He has a dying child at home that they can't seem to get over his sickness. And he comes to Jesus, who everybody knows can do miracles. Everybody's seen it. He's turned water to wine. He's done miracles in Jerusalem at the Feast of Passover. They all know what he's capable of. And he says, Jesus, I've got a little boy. And he needs your healing. He needs your touch. And Jesus looks back at him and he says, unless you see a sign and a wonder, you will not believe it. You won't believe me. Unless I give you some kind of a sign, you will not believe. Jesus chose to use this moment to address a larger issue. Everyone needed a sign. Everywhere he went, the Jews are asking him for a sign. They're willing to put the possibility of faith out there, but only if God would show them Something first. If only Jesus would prove himself and who he was first. If you will, 
then we will believe. Lord, if you'll split the clouds, they're kind of like getting, Lord, if you'll get the fleece wet, we'll believe. Jesus, if you'll walk on water again and do a trick, Lord, if you'll show us some sign in the heaven, we will believe. They're willing to believe, but only if Jesus gives them a sign first. And Jesus puts faith in the crosshairs. He says to this man before him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus wasn't just addressing this man's faith. But the you in this scripture is plural. He is addressing the faith of the nation and the area and the people that are all watching as Jesus has come back to his hometown. He's addressing the pressing issue that has been surrounding his ministry since it started. We need to see another sign. And before we criticize them too greatly, is anybody awake in the house? We do the same thing. When God says something, we say, Lord, if it's really you, let me get that phone call. Lord, if it's really you, let me hear this one, let a check show up in the mail. <laughs> Lord, if it's really you, then make a way and show me some kind of a sign. And Jesus wants to put the sign stuff to rest. And so he tells this man who's in a desperate situation that unless I give you a sign, you're not going to believe me. He's about to show them all that you don't need a sign to believe. That all you really need is a word. That's all you really need. His word is enough. Somebody say that. His word is enough. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, unless I show you some kind of sign, you're not going to believe. And you know what the man says? He's not interested in theological discussions. He just says, Jesus, please come to my house. My son is dying. Please come to my house. Sir, come before my child dies. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, go and your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. Now look, Jesus didn't part any waters. No dove descended down on his shoulder and said, Cacaw, he's going to be healed. No sign. No rushing wind blew into the place. No clap of thunder in the clouds. Jesus just gave the man a word. Go and your son will live. The man came for a miracle, but all God gave him was a word. He came for something to happen, but all God gave him was a word. And let me tell you something. While we're looking for the big stuff, all we really need is a word from God. That's all we really need to see God do what He's able to do. He says, I need a miracle. And God says, all right, I've got a word for you. Go and your son will live. That's it? That's all? That's the word, God? There's no these and thous and if thouest. Prayest 72 hours from now, the clouds will open and your son shall be healed. He says, no. Jesus just says to him, all right, you came for a miracle, go. That's your word. Go and your son will be healed. Just go and your son will be healed. I don't need to come with you. You don't need me to come lay hands on him. You don't need me to shake him. You don't need me to lay on his body like Elijah did in the Old Testament and breathe life into you. You don't need any of that. Just go. I'm just giving you a word because a word is all you really need. He came for a miracle, but all he got was a word. And listen, he didn't shout. He didn't dance. He didn't pass out on the altar. 
But when Jesus spoke the word, listen to me, he believed it and he obeyed it and he went his way. And listen to what happens. He believes that Jesus had given him a word, go and your son will live. And he says, I believe it. And so he goes. And while he's on his way, listen to this. As he's going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when they began to get, when he began to get better. And they said, I think it was yesterday, about the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the same hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all of his household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judah to Galilee. Hear me tonight, CLC. I'm not going to preach much longer. But I'm here to tell you this man didn't have all the trappings of what we think should accompany a miracle. All he had was a word from God that everything is going to be all right. All he had was a word from God that everything was going to be okay. He didn't have any outward evidence that the situation had changed. He had no confirmation from outside sources. The word couldn't be independently validated or verified. But he did not let that stop him from believing. And that's what I've come to preach. And sometimes when God speaks, we're waiting on all sorts of confirmation before we'll lay our faith on the line. And God is saying to this man, unless you see a sign, you won't believe. So I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm just going to give you a word. I'm just going to give you a word. And if you believe the word, it'll come to pass. All he had was a word. And he went on his way believing that it was going to come to pass. And as he nears home the next day, the messengers come. The news comes in that his son has turned the corner. And when he asked when it happened, he found out it was at the same moment that he had had no evidence since. All he had was faith. But hear me tonight. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Faith in that word was all he really needed. He didn't need a messenger to come and tell him. He had his faith. And his faith was the evidence that his son was going to be all right. All he had was a word. May I remind you that faith is the evidence of things not seen? We are so quick to wring our hands and ask God to confirm a thing over and over. God, we just need a sign. And I'm here to say no. I've come to preach that His Word is enough. God always keeps His Word. God always comes through on His Word. His Word is enough for my situation. Even if I don't see it changing. Even if I don't see things moving. Even if I'm not hearing good reports. It doesn't matter because His Word is enough. If I have faith in it His word is enough We can trust God's word All the promises of God are in him They are in him yes and amen Amen means so be it They are in him yes and so be it In in fact the Bible tells us That we can trust in God's word Because time cannot change it The world cannot undo it Circumstances cannot cancel it Satan cannot co-opt it If God gives us a word We can believe it And we can act on it Listen to this With the full assurance of faith It's the full assurance of faith That got all over my spirit A few months ago At prayer meeting here On a Monday night It's not the partial assurance of faith It's not the down payment of faith 
The moment that Jesus said, go and your son will live, and that man believed it, he had the full assurance that his son was going to be all right. It was fully verified because the promises are in him, yes, and so be it. And when he had faith, it was full assurance that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Somebody say his word is enough. This man didn't need a sign or a shiver. The word was enough. And listen, he wasn't the only one. Matthew 8 tells about a Roman centurion who had a servant with leprosy. And he hears about Jesus. So he comes to Jesus saying, I've got a servant that needs to be healed. And Jesus says, take me to him. I'll heal him. And what does he say to Jesus? He stops Jesus and he says, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy for you to come under the roof of my house. Thank God for people who know so that we don't have to tell them, right? He says, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, Jesus. I don't have everything right. But hear me right now. God's miracles are not based on whether you have everything right. I preached on that a few weeks ago. It's not dependent on you earning it. He says, I'm not worthy for you to come under the roof of my house. He says, but if you will just speak a word... He says, I know that my servant will be healed. I don't need you to come lay hands on him. I I don't need you to bring your entourage and do it in front of everybody. He says, I know what I need. All I really need is a word from God. And if you'll just speak the word, he says, my servant will be healed. He says, I understand because I also am a man under authority. And I say to my servants, go, and they go. And I say to them, come, and they come. And so if all you do is speak a word, I know that you can send healing to my house. All he needed was a word. All he needed was a word. And Jesus marveled at the faith of a man who wasn't looking for a sign or some great act, but was willing to believe in his word. He wasn't pinning hopes on a momentary feeling or a miraculous sign. But he was counting on the character and the authority of the one who spoke the word. His word was enough. And Jesus said to him, go your way. As you have believed, it shall be done to you. The miracle was already his. He hadn't seen it yet. He hadn't heard the news yet. But the word had already changed his situation. The moment he believed the word... And acted on it. It was already done. It was already accomplished. It was already fully assured. It's the full assurance of faith. And so his word is enough for me to believe on. I don't have to wonder whether he's going to come through. The Bible says no jo- uh, not even a jot or a tittle uh, will pass from his law. In no wise shall pass from his law till all things be fulfilled. In other words, he's upholding the universe by the power of his word. You can count on his word. Because the sun rises every day. The moon comes out at night. The stars are still in place. And, and gravity still works. And so I can trust and I can believe in his word. His word is enough for me to believe on it. But it's not just enough for me to believe on it. It's enough for me to believe and act on it. Because the word is settled. Somebody say it's settled. So then, that means our faith is the issue. And I'm, I'm going to come to a close very quickly. But our faith is the issue. I spoke a few weeks ago about the law of faith. If you missed it, go listen to it. Not because I taught it, but because uh, it changed my life. Learning that changed my life. 
And if that message helped no one else, it helped me. But there is a revelation in knowing that God doesn't wake up in a new world every day. He isn't judiciously deciding who should receive healing, deliverance, victory, and salvation. He isn't doing that. These are settled things. Already bought, already paid for by the blood of the cross. By the suffering that he endured, though he despised the shame. Already bought, purchased, and paid for. And awaiting on a believer who can access it by faith. It's already, hear me in the Holy Ghost, it's already yours. That thing that you've been praying for, the healing, the victory, the breakthrough in your life, the deliverance from addiction, the deliverance from all of the things you've suffered and struggled with, it's already, it's settled. He already said it in His Word. He that comes to me, I shall in no wise cast out. It's already settled. It's already yours. The Word is forever settled. They're settled things. And they are entirely accessible to us through faith in His character and faith in His Word. The man in our text didn't need an explanation or uh, of his condition. He didn't need a Bible study on healing. He didn't need some grand gesture. He needed a word from God. And he needed the willingness to act on it. That's all he needed. He didn't need a preacher to sit down with him and expound to him why healing is still accessible through the Scripture. He just needed a word from God and the willingness to go when Jesus said go. Notice he didn't stay there. Or I would have done. I would have been pretty sure Jesus. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. You ever bought something and you thought you had to sign a lot of papers and they just took your money and that's it? I get to walk out of here with that right now. <laughs> I would imagine a father. Is that it? Jesus? Is that all you want to do? Is that all you want to do? I just go and he gets healed. This man didn't stay and argue. He had faith. He believed in Jesus. And when Jesus said go, he started stepping. And that's the key to his miracle. Is his faith didn't just stand in the possibility. Jesus said go. So he said, I'm going to go. That's how miracles happen. That's how healing happens. That's how salvation happens. Is that these things that are settled in the Word of God, when we act on them, God is not judiciously deciding whether He will come through this time or not. His Word is completely reliable. So if I repent, I can be confident that He will forgive me of my sins. If I'm baptized, I can be confident that He's going to repent my sins. If I seek the Holy Ghost, I can be confident that the promise is mine because He said it's Jesus said it's yours. Go your way and your son will live. All he had to do is believe and obey a simple instruction. And because he believed and obeyed, he went his way and his son was healed. And this is where many of us lose it because we mentally acknowledge that God is able, but inwardly we doubt that he is living. So instead of going our way, we linger. We stick around. We ask God for another sign. Lord, send someone to confirm it. Lord, let the visiting preacher call me out. We make the miracles of God more difficult than they need to be. Because the defining quality of faith 
hear me, if you don't hear anything else, the defining quality of faith is obedient action. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, and they that believed the word were baptized, and there were added to them that same day over 3,000 people. You know what they didn't do when they believed? They didn't say, you know, I really do need to be baptized. I'm going to schedule it in a couple of weeks. We're going to call the family out. No. Brother Daryl, when they believe, this may not be popular to say, and I'm not trying to hit anybody, but this is just the Bible, folks. When they believe, they didn't hesitate. They didn't stop. They didn't sit around and say, oh, really? You know, that's great. We're going to plan on doing that eventually. No. They said, we believe the word of Jesus. They didn't have a Bible study. They didn't have a New Testament. They just had a preacher in front of them who was full of the Holy Ghost. And they felt in their hearts that he spoke the truth. They didn't need a Bible study, Brother Greg. They didn't need 12 weeks of charts and explanations. They heard the word. And faith comes by hearing the word. When they heard the word, it's all that they needed. It's all that they needed. They said, we want to be baptized today. We want to act on it now. We want to repent now. We want to do it now because we believe in the word. Stand with me. Somebody say it's obedient. I preach all that to come to this point. I want to tell you guys a story. I don't think she's here tonight, so I'm... I'm probably not embarrassing her. But last week we were at kids camp. And little JC has been seeking the Holy Ghost for several years now. She's only about, what, nine years old. We've been seeking it for several years. And every event we go to with Bible quiz in her kids camp or BBS, she's the first and last one at the altar praying and crying, Oh, God, I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. Last week I walked up and she was praying again. And the Lord reminded me of the law of faith. And I heard J.C. praying this way. She was saying, please, God, I love you with all my heart. Please give me the Holy Ghost. I love you with all my heart. Please give me the Holy Ghost. I love you with all my heart. Please give me the Holy Ghost. This is a child. Hear me. You, you guys know the story. This is a child that God delivered as a baby, that God healed. She's alive by the grace of God. And I was sitting there listening to her begging God, please give me the Holy Ghost. And I stopped her and I said this. The Holy Ghost came over me. I said, JC, you don't have to wonder whether or not God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. She's a Bible quizzer. I had her quote to me, Acts 2, 1 through 4. I had her quote to me, Acts 2, 39. The promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I said, JC, do you believe it's for you? I do believe it's for me. I said, J.C., what does Acts 2, 1 and 2 say? It says, when the Spirit came upon them, they had the what? God gave them, the Spirit gave them the what? And she said, utterance. I said, do you know what utterance means? She said, no. I said, let me tell you. Utterance means the ability to speak. The Spirit came upon them and gave them the ability to speak with tongues. And I said, J.C., if God gives you the ability to do something, does that mean that you can do it or that He's going to do it? She said, it means I can do it. I said, here's what I want you to do, J.C. We're sitting on a pew just in the middle of a crowd. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hands and worship. And when you start to worship, your lips are going to begin to tremble. And you're going to begin to feel the Holy Ghost. And when you do, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to start saying syllables. And that's not speaking in tongues. I said, but whatever comes out of your mouth, I want you to start saying syllables. Some of y'all looking at me like, sounds crazy. It's just a simple faith command. 
Because God gave her the ability by His Spirit, right? The Spirit gives us the ability to speak. And here's what Tayson did. She raised her hands and she said, la, 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 la. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost, but it was faith. It was faith. The faith of a child to look like a fool. And before she could get four or five la, 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 la's out, God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she began speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. Joseph, I hope it's okay. I hope it's okay, Joseph, but I told you the same exact thing and the same exact story right here on Sunday. And Joseph received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because here is the revelation that the church of God needs to have is that we don't have to beg God for anything, but if we will simply obey in faith. James says if there is a need there be any sick among you. Let him call for the elders of the church and anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. If you're sick and you're in this place and you want healing, just simple faith obedience to the word. Just stepping out and saying, I want to be healed. I believe that the word is for me. I'm going to go because Jesus said go. And let me tell you something. God, if we will simply obey in faith, we don't need a sign. We don't need to put house apart. God can heal everybody in this room. If we will just simply obey in faith the word of God. His word. Somebody say, is enough for me. It's enough for me. If you're here and you've been seeking the Holy Ghost, it's already yours. This promise is to you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you're here and you need healing, by His stripes we are healed. If you're healed and you're here and you need deliverance, the deliverance He is anointed to break the yoke and break the chains. It's already yours. I know it's 8.04, but I wonder if there's somebody who wants to simply obey what the Spirit is telling you in faith at the end of this service. And watch God come through. Watch God do a work that you you maybe doubted before, but you've got a word tonight. God has been planting it in your spirit. And I want to tell you that that word is enough if you'll just believe it and receive it. That word is enough. You don't need, you don't need some emotional appeal if you'll just by faith step out and say, God, I want it for me. God, I believe it for me. I'm going to be obedient for me. Come on. It's okay. Come on, Lord, right now, I pray that faith would be lifted in this room. God, that the bondage of doubt would fall away right now. 